Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. On today's show, Avengers Endgame is predicted to win all the money. Aquaman 2 officially has a release date. And on top of that, we got breaking news regarding Oscar winner Rami Malek joining the Bond franchise, possibly as a villain. He's in final negotiations. And we can't wait to dig into that story from our own Jeff Snyder. Haley and Jay Washington, welcome to the set. Hello. Thank you. How Glad are you guys back. doing? Glad to be back, man. It's been a while since I've been on Movie Talk, especially since the new change. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. I don't think I've been on a Movie Talk with you in a while. It's I've definitely never long... never hosted with you on Ab- the table. Absolutely. It's been a long time, so this is going to be fun. <laughs> I'm going to keep you on your toes today. And Please do. Haley, do you want to tell everybody about the wonderful guest we had on Witching Hour for next oh. week's episode? Because the, the yes. photo's already out there. People know. Of course. Yes, we have the wonderful Miss Sophia Botella, who is starring in the excellent film Climax from Gaspar Noé. We had her for a, a great long chat, diving into her history as a dancer and how she got involved with Gaspar. It's a, it's a fun one, and she was just wonderful. It really was. Uh, keep an eye out for that next Tuesday. That's our episode. All right, we've got no time to waste because we have a whole bunch of news to cover today. This first story, as I said, is a scoop from our own Jeff Snyder, who's reporting that Rami Malek is in final negotiations to play the villain in Bond 25. Of of course, we know that Variety previously reported this, but said that shoot, the shooting schedule for Mr. Robot and Bond 25 conflicted, so the thing wasn't going to pan out. And then Jeff confirmed that, no, there's no deal yet, but things are looking good as though a deal is going to make. So we know that Bond 25 is due out in theaters in the U.S. on April 8th, 2020. Oh, boy, this is a a big update, especially coming hot on the heels of his Oscar win. So first off, Haley, is this a good move for Rami Malek post-Oscar win? Yes. 
I think if any actor ever has the opportunity to play a Bond villain, then yes, it is the right career move, right? That's such a phenomenal opportunity. I also just think it's, it's I've said this before, but I think it's a great fit for him, for his vibe, his aesthetic. I think he'll make a really memorable Bond villain. And yeah, I'm, I'm for it. I think that's a nice step into... He'll get to be a part of a big franchise without having to take one on his back straight out of the gate, but still put his name up there in that category of box office performers. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not a bad franchise to be aligning yourself with, and also not a bad cast either. Of course, we have Daniel Craig and a whole bunch of people from the previous films returning, mm-hmm. but on top of that, Variety Today reported that Billy Magnuson is also on to play a CIA operative, and then further from Jeff's piece is... He says that his sources are echoing reports that the director is eyeing Lupita Nyong'o for a key role. So if all of this comes together, I mean, Jay, is this going to be one of your most anticipated movies of 2020? Absolutely. And like you said earlier, when they tried to get it, the schedules didn't work. He won that Oscar and all of a sudden they're going to make these schedules work. Because now you want this name. You want that title attached to this property. You bring in all this high-level talent, all these old Bond villains, and you know whether they're stars, villains, heroes, whatever, and you're putting this together for Bond 25. Everyone who's a James Bond fan has been wanting this. And people who have just gotten into the new franchise, the new Bond with Daniel Craig, are going to be interested in this as well. And you just come off of Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody. Many are familiar from uh, Mr. Robot. So now you want to see him in a full villain role. And how diabolical and menacing can he be? I just want to know the money he's going to get. I know. Well, the thing is, something Jeff also uh, put in his write-up is that it's not even just about the schedules not aligning them and them having to figure that out. Part of the reason why they might have wanted to wait to figure out what this mm-hmm. deal was going to be is to see if he won the Oscar. Because if he wins the up. Oscar, it's more money in his pocket. Absolutely. His, his value goes up, of course. And you have that name on it. And Lupita Nyong'o has been just killing the game. Just all over. Wait until you see Little Monsters. I am so excited for the two of you to see that movie because she is something else in it. I'm so mad that you've seen it. She's so good. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? You add these type of names and adding this star power to this. It could, a lot of people could have those hopes that go high and then it crash. But I don't think that's the case with this. I don't think that's the case. And to have somebody like Daniel Craig, Rami Malek, Lupita Nyong'o in the forefront, that says that speaks volumes. And then put uh, Carrie Fukunaga, of all people, at the helm. I'm yeah. sure yeah. I'm sure that piqued your interest, Haley. Absolutely. I mean, I, I am a Fukunaga fan. I mm-hmm. wasn't obsessed with Maniac, but I, I do like what he does. And I, I think that it's exciting because it's a strong, you know, if it's true that this is Daniel Craig's last film, which we've certainly heard before, so we will see. But it's it's more interesting for me to have him go out on a creative partner he hasn't worked with before that could push the franchise in a new direction, the way that Sam Mendes did with Skyfall. Um, I would like to see that. I'd like to see one more big, bold swing for Daniel Craig's James Bond before it's over. I think I'm on board for that as well. All right, we are moving on to our first official main topic of the day, and it has to do with Frozen 2 and some story rumors or report, I guess. It is coming from a pretty reliable source. So this week picked up from Slash Film, and they got it from a place called Fine Tuning Podcast, and that podcast claims that Frozen 2 is about Anna and Elsa searching for what actually happened to their parents. So 
Yeah, you're probably going to remember, and if you don't, spoiler for Frozen, which came out forever ago, is that Anna and Elsa's parents, they died in a shipwreck. Yeah. So apparently, if this is true, this movie is going to be about the two of them finding them or figuring out what happened to them, at least. Frozen 2 hits theaters on November 22nd, a good day, because it's my birthday, and that's going to be my hey. birthday movie now. Um, first off, Haley. How are you feeling about this? Are you into this idea for the story? Does it make you any more excited for Frozen 2? It actually does, surprisingly. Like, it's such a small plot detail that it's weird that it would make me more excited. But what I like about it is that, you know, Disney is sort of known for dead parents, right? That's their thing. <laughs> and so, I don't think I've ever heard someone put it so bluntly. But yeah, well, yeah they're they're they dead love parents. killing your parents. And this is an opportunity to sort of re-explore that trope the way that the first film did with the idea of Prince Charming. Mm-hmm. They can now go in and do something more interesting with what was already a trope of the genre. I also, we knew that they were going to leave Arendelle, mm-hmm. but this reinforces that. I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see we, they teased in the trailer that sort of autumnal vibe to this wherever yeah. they're going, and I love that look. I just like that they're doing something different, and if it took this long to get the sequel made, you don't want the same movie. You would think that they know what they have here, yeah. and they don't want to waste it. And really, one way or the other, I do think Frozen 2 is going to be a big hit no matter what, but that first movie, I mean, maybe it's because I have a sister. Something about it just spoke to me more so than any of the mm-hmm. other classic Disney releases of recent years, so... My my hopes and expectations are kind of through the roof for this one. Where do you stand on it, Jay? Are you a Frozen fan? I am a father of a five-year-old little girl. <laughs> oh, you're in trouble. So she already <laughs> loves the original. And so I know I'm going to have to take her to see this. I know I'm going to possibly be in a theater with a bunch of other singing kids <laughs> and trying to figure out how do I not go crazy. You have to go to an official sing-along. Mm. They do that. They, I, did, I know. they did it in 2013. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. But again, Frozen was so amazing. And so now when they put out that trailer, everybody was like, oh, my God, we're doing this. And like you said, Disney's known for dead parents. As a parent, I know how my child interacts with the film. I know how my daughter loves it, how she loves the characters. My daughter has Elsa stickers all over her room. And now she's trying to find a little blue dress. I'm like, okay, do what you got to do. So I know as a father that she, I'm looking at how she's going to be more invested in it than anything else. Because yeah, I'll watch a Disney film. But for me, it's, it's my five-year-old. And that's the demographic in which they're trying to hit, the younger children. You know, adults, well, we'll watch the films. We'll watch it. Some, for some, it's a guilty pleasure. But my daughter has to be able to say, Daddy, can I go see again? And I have to be like, baby, Daddy ain't got no more money. <laughs> but no, that's that's really my thoughts. So it's for my daughter at the end of the day. And she's excited about it, so by proxy, I'm excited. That makes me excited for both of you. A little out of left field here, but given the fact that we're revisiting this conversation about Anna and Elsa's parents, it calls, it brings to mind a certain rumor that was going around (laughs) for a little while that I think one of the co-directors actually said was true, and it's it's this Tarzan theory. We were talking about it before. So the Tarzan theory is that their parents were shipwrecked, but they survived. Mm-hmm. And when the ship went down, their mother was pregnant with a baby boy, and they get ship- shipwrecked on a, in a jungle area, and then they give birth to the baby boy, and then they're they're killed by leopards or something, something grisly like that, because you know <laughs> the parents had to die. And they then, just die naturally. And then, <laughs> leopards murder them. And then the wildlife there raises the boy, so it's freaking Tarzan. So Tarzan is on a. And Elsa's uh, brother? 
Yeah. <laughs> do you think I they would ever dare do this? I, I would love to see if they did it. I would love to see how the general public would accept it or reject it. You know, I just want to see the response to it. Because some people will say, oh, it's a stretch. But when you listen to that story, you're like, yeah, I can see leopards eating the parents. <laughs> and a big-ass gorilla grabbed the baby. I'm pretty sure that was part of it. I couldn't have just made that up on the spot. It sounds right. I can't. I was gonna, actually going to ask, and what happened to Tarzan's parents? But I forgot. I, I could. Yeah, it's here. Eaten it's by Tarzan's a leopard. Tarzan's parents are hella dead. Eaten, eaten, eaten by, by a leopard. leopard. That's, a, that's a bummer. Like, if, if that's what Anna and Elsa find out, they're going to be so sad. <laughs> like, Your parents didn't even die off the shit. Yeah, yeah. A leopard ate them after your mother gave birth. They're even more specific in this uh, in this report. It says that the parents washed up on the shore of a jungle and they built a treehouse before getting eaten by a leopard. Well, it it would have to be before, right? So then the baby is safe <laughs> yeah, and sound. Exactly. I just love how this is all so well thought they were, through. They were out here trying to live their best life in the jungle. Wasn't even trying to get back at the moment. You know what I'm saying? And then the leopard man. I don't I don't see that happening realistically. Like I I think that it would be I would be the wrongest I've ever been if Anna and Elsa go out to find the truth of their parents and it leads directly to what, nineteen ninety eight's Tarzan? That would be insane. It seems very unlikely to me. There Part of me, part of my like Disney animation loving brain is very amused by this idea yeah. and the possibility, but I'm also a little, a little sick of gigantic franchise yeah. canon. There's so many others that I'm trying to keep up with that if all of a sudden the possibility of all these movies seriously being linked together is put on the table, I don't want to get so obsessive about that. The whole thing with everybody trying to build universes, mm-hmm. and that's all this would do. I mean, it's nothing wrong with it if you can do it right, but then we connect Frozen to Tarzan. You're like, what's next? What do you connect next? And so then it gets real confusing because you're like, wait, is, are all these happening at the same time? Who's the Nick Fury of all this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> is, is Olaf, he can't go in the hot places, so he don't count. Ain't nobody even take the moose reindeer nowhere. So it's like, who becomes that person that connects all this? I, I think it's a, probably a bit much. I I just, like, you said universe. I'm going to sit there and think and theorize. No, no, no. I like what you're doing. I think the fact that it would actually exist is a bit much for what Disney wants to do with their animated films. I do like also, I just prefer what they've teased in the trailer so far of the world that exists within Frozen. You know, we've, mm-hmm. we've had glimpses of a mystery character who may have a power of her own. There's, uh, if you look at the poster, Josh Gad said to look closely at the four prongs of the uh, the snowflake, and they all have different symbols. People are like, oh, are those symbols each reflecting a different power based on either the earth elements or the Gregorian calendar, spring, winter, fall, summer? The theory right now is that they're going to go out and they're going to find other people who mm-hmm. have powers similar to Elsa, but maybe fire or Well, water. just a spitball here. Maybe it's not a Tarzan connection, but maybe mom and dad really were shipwrecked and gave birth to another child. And for all we know, Elsa isn't the only one in their right. family with powers. And maybe Anna can harness a different season. That I would be much more into that. That 
they find their parents left uh, some remnant of their family's yeah. abilities somewhere yeah. else. Like um, the great great grandmother first found out and has been passed down generation to generation. Yeah, okay. All right, I'm just, I'm just going to start thinking <laughs> about all this. How's it work with your theories? I mean, I'm just going to think about all this when I sit with my daughter watching this. I feel like you should run this by her and then come back and yeah. give us the full report. And whatever she wants is what we should at least be rooting for right now. <laughs> what she wants is probably be an hour and a half conversation. Hey, <laughs> listen, dang, no, so Elsa can't do that. I'd be like, but yes, baby. Yes, baby. Elsa can do whatever you want Elsa to do. Just, that's I, that's that what dad. you're supposed to say I'm as dad. dad. I'm whatever dad. you want. Whatever you want, baby. Whatever you want. <laughs> All right. We are moving on to story number two right now. And this is yet another quote from our own Steve Weintraub's conversation with the one and only Kevin Feige. And this particular quote has a little something to do with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, an update on the status of the project and also specifically whether Marvel has encountered resistance in trying to hire a new director for the film. He doesn't really, you know, necessarily talk about that specifically. But when Steve posed that question, here's what Feige said. I mean, when it was pushed back, it was pushed back, meaning the release date, because it's not coming out. Although we're never... We've never announced a release date, actually, but it was going to happen sooner rather than later, initially, of course. Outside of knowing that, we're going to use James Gunn's draft. We have been focusing on other projects. So, I mean, I read that quote as... You know, it's it's on the table. We still have James Gunn's draft, but the whole thing is being put on the back burner. Is that how you see it, Jay? Yeah, of course it is, because they want people to stop talking about it. Because every time the, the discussion of who potentially can direct comes up, everybody's like, oh, there's speculation, speculation. I don't think Ke- Kevin Feige and Disney want us to think about any of that anymore. Let's focus on what we got going on. All the, the phase four we're building in our Marvel Universe. We'll get to the Guardians if we get to them. Either way, you'll see them being utilized in various other films. That's pretty much how he's going to do it. Someone just sent me a screen grab of the Frozen Lower Third. Adam? Adam Smith, I'm looking Uh-oh. at you. Oh, Lord. <laughs> going to have you, a giggle fit in the middle of the story now? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to leave it to you guys to scroll back and check that out. It is uh, interesting. So that's where we stand on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, per his quotes right now. Haley, is the way you read this as it's on the back burner now and it's never going to happen? I wouldn't go that far. I could see that being a possibility, especially like... Just with uh, Taika Waititi being like, I don't want that job. Like, yeah, I yeah. feel like a lot of directors <laughs> are going to be like, yeah. no, 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 no. That's, that's James Gunn's. I don't want that. Um, but also everybody, you know, there are filmmakers who might not be at that high of a point in their career who really want and need mm-hmm. a gig like that. So yeah. there's always someone who will take the job. I just... I don't know if they're going to be able to find the kind of talent they're looking for right now for that job. Let's say uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad comes out. Maybe people aren't feeling so touchy about it. Then a director might be more inclined to step into Mm -hmm. that position. Because James Gunn's fine, right? He's moved on to another franchise. It's all worked out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think we'll get it soon. I don't necessarily think it's gone for good. Especially with the... um, the enthusiasm Chris Pratt recently demonstrated for the script, saying how wonderful it is. I, when you have a script that good, and I have no doubt in my mind that it's that good, knowing what James Gunn did with the last two films, do you want to throw that away? Okay. As you were talking about Chris Pratt's quotes, I believe that came from the MTV piece, right? Yes. 
they they seemed very you know well thought out and well planned to me so i was gonna say no 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 to that but the idea that you bring up about having a really great script and not seeing it through that to me is something that i think could motivate the cast to at least get his vision made even if it isn't with him at the helm and and that's another issue when it comes to the cast where does everybody stand let's say after endgame is dave batista still going to be drax we all know how vocal he was after James Gunn was fired. Zoe, uh, Zoe Saldana, she's got all these Avatar films coming up. So it's really going to be, what are we going to do? Are we just going to focus on Chris Pratt, Vin Diesel, and Bradley Cooper <laughs> and build around them? This doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility. When I look at Guardians 3 as a straightforward sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with the same group of Guardians, in my brain, I say this is never happening. I Mm. feel like there's too much negativity in the air. And we're also not talking about, like, you know, a small production that the studio can hope, you know, gets beyond the bad buzz and actually pops again. We're talking about a significant financial investment where people, cast and fans included, are bummed that James Gun, someone with a super specific style and voice is not coming back. It seems like a very risky move to me, and the only way to sidestep that risk and give it a fresh feel and a fresh feel that feels like like it was necessary, I think is something that the comics have done when you change up the members of the group. Mm-hmm. If they change them up enough and this is a different iteration of the Guardians, I think that's where we could see a good director feel comfortable stepping in, but that still calls into question James Gunn's original script, which one way or the other is being tweaked. And you have to figure out a way to set up that transition. Because, again, this is all dependent on Avengers Endgame. You don't want to start, using your theory, Perry, you don't just want to start Guardians 3 with a whole new group of Guardians from the galaxy, of the galaxy, and you don't know who any of these people are. You have to, you have, to have that transition. So Endgame would play into that if they were going to do Guardians 3, which, like I said, they're not. I have a theory that is so far-fetched, and I told you all before we started filming. Well, we that, already know. We love theories at this table. <laughs> uh, basically, for everyone's wondering, if Suicide Squad 2 does well, Look for Disney to finally, if possibly say, we sorry, we need this. Can you come do this? And as I said before, we and even started when it. you brought that up. I I think that is highly unlikely unless there's a major regime change at at Disney proper. Yeah, not Disney proper, not Marvel. Disney. Yeah, because Marvel wants him, and that's the thing. Marvel Studios, they were all like, let's keep him. Kevin Feige fought for him, mm-hmm. and so I think the the day and age and yes the the hierarchy has to change also the the time right now that we're living in has to change in a sense we are in a very much of a testy time where people are held being held accountable for old things that they should have been held accountable for if we move forward from that and not in a negative way then that potentially can open the door for him to come back Theories. I could see it. I don't know. I I see what you're saying that they they the powers that be as they be right now would be too stubborn to be like we we messed up to that level because that's a huge like thing to admit you screwed up. Although admitting admitting you were wrong and, and showing some sign thing. of forgiveness is is nice. It's and I think lovely. this industry could maybe use a little it's more. Not of that. what corporations tend to do. However, <laughs> nope, more of a person thing. <laughs> yeah. It is your own personal struggle. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> All right. 
we're going to have to wait and see how things pan out for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. If they ever do, who knows? Before I move on to the next story, though, a quick reminder. We are taking your live Twitter questions at the very end of the show, so send them in now so I have time to pick them. Now, story number three today is a big one again for the MCU. We are talking about Avengers Endgame right now, and specifically early box office projections. Don't roll your eyes. These numbers come through studies and data and everything, and yes, of course they can change, but there is a reason this number is being put out there right now. So that big number is $282 million in North American ticket sales, and that is for the opening weekend. So if that is the number that this movie does hit, it means it's going to top Infinity War, which opened with $258 million. Oh boy, Haley, do you think this is the real deal? Is Endgame going to go on to become the highest opening at the domestic box office for the first weekend out ever, all time? I mean, probably, right? It's, it would seem pretty silly if it didn't. It's It's got so much going for it, I, on top of the fact that it's this culmination of a decade's worth of building the MCU for Avengers films. It's also coming on one of the biggest cliffhangers in cinema history. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to want to know how that turns out. It's... I just don't see any way that it's not barring, like, the world's worst reviews or some horrible revelation Uh about an actor or filmmaker or something (laughs) like that. I just don't see how it doesn't take that home. 282 just seems like a very big number to me, and it seems significantly higher than Endgame. I do agree. I think it is, I meant in uh, Infinity War, but I agree that it is going to top Infinity War. I think that's basically the inevitable truth we're heading towards, but given the fact that these numbers change, Jay, do you think that this number is going up or down as we get closer to release? I think it may stay stagnant. I don't think it's going to go down too much. The reason being, yes, uh, Infinity War dropped, what, 262? Was it 260 or something? Uh, 258. 258. This is at the box office. So many people didn't get a chance to go see Infinity War at the box office in theaters. Once it hit Netflix, people had brand new eyes on this Mm -hmm. and just started watching. And now they want to know what's going to happen next. Now they want to know how does this all conclude? How does this all come together? Of course it's going to push repeat viewers to the box office. Now people are saying this is going to be varying on Captain Marvel's success, which I don't think that's the case at all. I think Captain Marvel is going to live on her own, whether the movie is, and all early reviews have shown it's great. And because of that, it's just going to carry over into Endgame, i.e. last year with Black Panther carrying on over into Infinity War. This is not anything new. People say it's a far-fetched reach for this, but you got to think about it. Every Avengers film, box office, initial tracking numbers have been high, and they beat them. Every time, even Age of Ultron, no matter how the reviews were originally, it tracked high, beat the numbers. Infinity War tracked high, beat its numbers. Endgame could possibly hit this number, if not surpass it, domestically. People want to see this now. This is a crazy number. but It is a ridiculous number, but it, it's possible. Even though... My logical brain is telling me bring that number down just a little bit mm-hmm. so you have a better chance of hitting it. You make some good points there, but big opening weekend or not, one of the big things for a movie like this is you can't just have that one big opening weekend and then see a significant drop mm-hmm. weekend two. You need to play the long game. That's how you're going to you're gonna cross the billion-dollar mark and maybe then some. So given what's coming out right before Endgame and then, of course, right after Endgame, do you guys think that this one is going to wind up being an all-timer overall? 
Oh, I actually do. I think it'll do numbers. And, of course, we never count the domestic numbers. It's international numbers. The explosions, the actions, that's what the China market wants. And that's the market we always focus on. They are going to put a lot into this movie. There are going to be multiple repeat viewers, just as there were Infinity War. This is not going to change anything. This is just upping the ante, higher, raising the stakes. So, of course, it could. Can it go top 20? I'm not exactly sure. But it will have a high grossing number. Like, it may do what Black Panther did, probably in a little more time. I don't think it'll do it in the 13, in 26 days. I don't think it'll do it in t- hitting 1.3 billion in 26 days. Mm-hmm. But I do think it'll hit that 1 billion number within a month and a half with no problem. I, I agree with all that. I think the bigger question for me, because I, I don't see any scenario in which this isn't a phenomenal success. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's counting too many eggs before the chickens or however that goes. But <laughs> I my question is, at the end of the year, will this be higher than Star Wars? Because they're both such essential ending chapters to enormous oh, franchises. Oh, the new Star Wars. Yes, yes, yes. I think uh, I think Star Wars has you know it's got a little bit of a hole to climb out of sure. right now, mm-hmm. whereas. Marvel is essentially riding as high as ever. And I do think, and I asked you which Star Wars in particular, because right now for worldwide grosses, we have Avengers Infinity War in the four spot for worldwide overall. And it is... Two point zero like five billion dollars. The one right above that is Star Wars: The Force Awakens with about two point zero seven billion. And but that's understandable for that. I number. think this is topping both of those overall. Yeah, because The Force Awakens was a new Star Wars, and God knows how long. Not a prequel, a new one going forward. So the anticipation was there. This one is definitely not going to have to worry about Star Wars. As much as people will say it's the controversy or whatever, which I don't think that's the case, it's just that there have been more stakes built with mm-hmm. going into Endgame. I, yeah, I guess I have more faith in this new Star Wars movie because of the return mm-hmm. of J.J. Abrams and how a lot of fans feel about that because it is the end of a, you know, a new trilogy built off of films that have gone on for 30 years. I almost, I could be wrong, but I, I feel like it's going to do pretty well. I think I might be willing to get on that train with you after we get the first trailer mm-hmm. and we kind of like, you know, take the temperature and gauge what the conversation is focusing on. Mm-hmm. And once you can kind of figure out what kind of buzz we're talking about, may, maybe I'll be in there with you. Yeah, I think I'm also skeptical of that stuff these days because everybody's always mad online about the movie one way or the other. And as we've seen multiple times, even with something like Bohemian Rhapsody. It doesn't necessarily reflect in the box office when people Now it's just the mad anger. Like, how angry are they? Are they very angry? Right. We shall see. We'll find out. Soon enough now, because Star Wars Celebration (laughs) is right around the corner, and we will likely get a lot of good stuff at that event. Next story, we're moving over to DC. Warner Brothers has officially announced that Aquaman 2 is hitting theaters December 16th, 2022. That is a a long time away. Is it? December 16th, 2022. We're in, we're in 2019. And the, like I said, the years go fast. We're in 2019. So so with that in mind, Jay, do you think that after such a big, big success with the first Aquaman, that it could basically, you know, no pun intended, ride that wave all the way I see to what you did there. I see what you did there. I think it can. Again, we talked about this before we started, uh, before we went live. The trench helps out a lot. 
that just that little spinoff helps out a lot. And granted, the main cast won't be involved in it. That's assuming the trench drops between now and then. Which I'm I'm pretty sure that's. I think I'm with you on. Yeah, that. I think that's got to because that way it keeps the wave going. Like you said, that momentum goes. You have Aquaman. Oh man, what was one of the biggest parts everybody loved? The trench. Now you have the trench film. Then what's happening next? Aquaman two. It's, it, it can't fail at this point. As long, I'm, I'm just shocked at the fact that the date has come out and James Wan is not officially attached yet to direct again. That's the only issue I do have. Well, I am wondering if we're in the middle of, you know, like a Patty Jenkins situation here, where, as he should, after such yeah. a phenomenal success, he should be hardcore negotiating to get what he's worth. I think that's absolutely probably what's happening. Uh, and... Why wouldn't he? Oh, my goodness. After that, I I do think that it, it is a bit long. Um, I'm on the side that this is a bit of a far out release date. But what a refreshing change of pace coming off of, you know, the whiplash of DCEU mm-hmm. of the last, you know, five years or whatever, where everything was mm-hmm. really playing to the release date instead of the release date playing to the film. I'm excited for that. I'm kind of sad as somebody who really loved Aquaman to have to wait that long to go back. And hopefully the trench will, if it comes out first, give us those feels. But mm-hmm. I, it's, it's a nice change in strategy to see. It is. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with the DC films between now and then. So Aquaman is the first one since Wonder Woman to really, really pop and just make a crazy amount of money. Mm-hmm. We have so many movies hitting between mm-hmm. now and late 2022. And let's say Shazam and then some wind up really putting this film franchise in a good light, then Aquaman 2 could make even more money than anyone could expect. <laughs> and I think that's what they're doing. Because DC is now, DC and Warner Brothers are now focusing more on the solo projects. At first, it was all about let's just get to Justice League. And it was rushed. Now you want to build these characters up. And God knows when we're getting that Flash movie, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> you know. But again, you have Shazam coming. Then you get Wonder Woman 1984. You got Birds of Prey. All these different movies and different entities in their own. We're not doing a direct connected universe. We might reference things and it'll just keep people wanting them to know more and going more. It's not like the MCU. The MCU will definitely have you like, here's a movie, here's a movie, here's a movie, here's a movie. You have to wait now with DC, which is a good thing because there's anticipation building up. And you guys think the December release date sticking with that is promising, right? Because I'm nervous about that. Ooh. The date because Marvel has I an didn't untitled that. Marvel has an untitled film set for that date too. I think it's a, a I think it's actually a Disney oh, yes, a live Disney action. It's a Disney live film, action. Yes, so something. it's probably one of those live action animated Little, adaptations Little Mermaid or something. in December. So yeah, something like that. But that's the only worry I have. I don't know if that's that much of a concern. I'm curious to see what happens with the future of the Star Wars franchise. If it was specifically the Little Mermaid, then I might be a little worried. Because <laughs> oh, they're supposed to be doing a live action Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah, but like two <laughs> underwater movies, movies going head to head. Oh, yeah. That had, would be a concern. That would be Disney-like. We got them. Yeah, the, exactly. The trailer mashups and the creativity that could come out of that box office <laughs> oh, head-to-head God. battle. I'm like overjoyed with the possibilities. Now I'm praying that that's what's going to happen. Somebody is about to do that right now and edit it as we just started Please. talking about this, and their YouTube is about to get hella views. So you're welcome. <laughs> oh, I'm curious to see that. And you know what else I'm curious to see? This new Hellboy movie. You guys know I'm a big fan of Guillermo del Toro. I loved his Hellboy's, Hellboy movies, and I wanted to see a third. That's not what we're getting, though. Switching gears, we are getting a movie that is likely to be very different from Guillermo's movies, because those movies were rated PG-13. As expected, this new Hellboy movie got its R rating 
thing. And it got it for strong, bloody violence and gore throughout and language. Hellboy is hitting theaters on April 12th. Haley, was this R rating a no-brainer? Because we've known for a little while that that's what they were gunning for. Uh, that description sounds very much like Neil Marshall, and I am extremely here for it. I'm not surprised. I am relieved. I think they would have been facing a fairly significant wave of angry people if at the end it turned out to be PG-13. So all around, I think this is good, peaceful, happy times. Yay. <laughs> yeah, for what the reasons you just said, like, yes, it needs to be this dark and grim. That's why the trailers they've been showing us have been so lighthearted. Yeah. Because it's going to hit that level. They can't show you in the first trailer just all the blood guts and gore and a a red band trailer would be nice for this just to see how far david harbour is gonna go as Hellboy. you know that's gotta happen soon especially especially with this news dropping now i bet you the next one we're gonna get is going to be red band and i'm curious to see what it is and you know like i said earlier i love the guillermo del toro stuff but if i'm getting a neil marshall directed hellboy movie that isn't connected to those i want it to feel extremely different and this has been in my mind as an r-rated production for so long now ever since we first heard about it really that if they had backpedaled on that i would have been super disappointed oh they would have they would have shattered a fan base real quick because because <laughs> you would have thought like oh hey okay we're doing something new we're adding another edge to it you see david harbour as hellborn you're like this is gonna have a different feel than ron perlman and then it says pg-13 and you're like huh what why because that's not what you want you want this edge you want this extra aggression you know if you know the comics there should be a lot of violence gore and cursing non-stop you know what i'm saying so you want this you want that feel on the big screen so given so you've read the comics so having read the comics what can people expect from this movie with that r rating that we didn't get in a lot more a lot more, more blood guts more and so gore. than just like blood like tonally even oh tonally is going to have that dark comedy feel at times it's gonna have that because again it's gonna be the wise jokes the wise cracking jokes he'll have Mm -hmm. and it's gonna be that him interacting and by him i mean hellboy interacting with different people you're gonna get the seriousness and you're gonna get that oh you're gonna have those jumping moments so that's something you want in this film especially like you said if it's going in a brand new direction all right well we're gonna see this one soon enough for ourselves and i can't wait because i'll watch anything neil marshall directs do you guys think he's gonna bring any horror element to it i'm not a big comic book fan is there a lot of room for that well i mean it's just it's because it's the darkness with demons and stuff like that it may have a suspense more than horror shall i say i'll take it I'll, I'll take, take it, it, but I, I wouldn't mind the horror touch as well. I love when your Marshall does horror, but yeah. I'll take his suspense. Yep, I will I will settle for some sort <laughs> of uh, mixture of all of that. All right, before we take your live Twitter questions, i got to remind you, what is airing on the Collider Network? So much stuff, as always. We've got Collider Live tomorrow morning. After that is a brand new episode of Jedi Council, followed, of course, by this wonderful show. It's Movie Talk Live at 4 p.m. PT. And on top of that, I will direct you to our podcast network to check out our brand new episode of the Collider Games podcast. So keep an eye out for that. All right. There's a lot of Twitter questions. And because I haven't really had a chance to pick one about movies, I'm going to tell you guys this one that you're already semi-prepared for from Tanashi, who asks, if you had plenty of time, what would your ideal breakfast be? 
Yeah. Everybody wants to know. Oh, for real? Served to for me real? in bed on a silver platter. <laughs> but, uh, if I had a lot of time, I am a fan of the traditional UK breakfast. That can be quite a delight, but it takes forever to prepare with the beans and tomatoes and the back bacon. It's it's a lovely oh, thing. Blood that's, sausage. Yeah. That's a lot. Uh, he for, said time. She. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Time. Yeah. For me, just give me a nice fluffy egg white omelet with spinach, mushrooms, avocado, feta cheese, whole grain toast, freshly squeezed orange juice. Not not anything from a can. <laughs> not anything from the little too concentrated tube where you add water. I want the oranges to be just grip them with anger. Okay? <laughs> anger. And some veggie sausages. I know, right? I've gone crazy since I've been doing this vegan thing. I'm sorry. Oh, you're doing the you're vegan doing thing. Yeah, I've been doing nice. it for since uh, about a year now. Really? Yeah, I'm just trying to live my life the best way possible. Keep the skin it. all clear and beautiful. That's good. I've been trying to do plant-based like a few days a week, slowly <laughs> moving into it. Beyond Meat and Morningstar have been my saving graces. Mm-hmm. I'm learning so much about you guys right now. <laughs> um, as someone who basically just unwraps a protein bar for breakfast every morning, I think my favorite is, and you guys probably know that I have issues with diners anywhere else but Long Island and New York. They're just not the same. But if you go to a good Long Island diner and you get some scrambled eggs, and something like chicken or turkey sausage. So good. So good. But specifically, diner scrambled eggs. It's very important. I'm telling you. I just like to tell people how great it is that this is the discussion we had first with Twitter questions. Movie talk. Movie talk. Yeah, you, you people did this. I love you. All right. Do you, you know, want another I'm, creative one? Give me a creative All one. All right. I'm, I'm taking this question right now from Derek336, who asks, take the Collider crew and cast them in the MCU's X-Men. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> and try not to insult anyone in the I I won't, I won't. I love everybody in this office. Okay. Mark Riley is Wolverine because I feel yes. like he could rock the he's beard definitely and Wolverine. the hair. Yeah. Right. Right. We're just casting them to play the roles. Yeah. yeah. He's way too sweet in general to be. That's well. Looks. Actually, that's a that's a good point. I was just going for the look, but I like the look. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so he Cody Hall of- is Quicksilver just because, <laughs> just to make Cody a little bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> no insults. It's not, no, just to make him move fast. No, it's not an insult. Cody can move fast. Cody's He's already Spider Man. He zips around quick oh, enough. Right. Well, we said the X Men. I know, so I know. But like man. Cody's Spider Man for okay. life. Yeah, he's Spider Man. Okay. Uh, Christian Harloff is Beast. Okay. Can't you picture Christian okay. just tall and blue and furry with his New York when you accent? Put it that way. See? I feel like I pictured Christian as Magneto, like maneuvering the Schmodown belts or something. Mm. I can see that too. I can see that one. I would put Magneto as Josh McCuga just because you give him the ability to move metal, he would be having beer kegs just lifted in the air. <laughs> Could, about, or could Makuga be like a goofy Wolverine? Because he could also do the facial hair thing. It's like he can't he can't channel Wolverine rage, but I could see him just you know doing it almost like like Adam Sandler yelling style. Perry's rogue. Perry is rogue. That's where my mind you're, went okay. to. You're rogue. Kind of sad, but is it? Well, Rogue's got kind of the saddest She's, power. She got issues, yeah. Well, no, I don't know about issues, but just a bummer of a well, power. power is a pretty serious yeah, issue. Yeah, it's a drag. Can't it's literally anything. the worst power to ever have. <laughs> like, people are like, yo, she's the most powerful. No, she has the worst life ever. Yeah, thanks, guys. So, I'm congratulations, sorry. Perry. Good to be you. Yeah. Um, Haley, I'll leave your casting to Jay. No. Uh. Haley gets, uh, you get Jean Grey. Okay. Badass. 
Nice. <laughs> Did you just go and just jump out dead ass? I said badass. I thought you Not said dead ass. I was like, Perry's New York that came out so hard. This is like dead ass me. Like, I don't yeah. think I have that in me. Uh, who else? Um, who would be Gambit around here? I'd have some fun with that. Dennis is Gambit. Dennis. Uh, well... <laughs> You got a you got an interesting casting. Yeah, because I wanted on. not to be who you think yeah, everyone yeah. would okay. be. Because it's always easy to say, "Oh, that person, that person, that person, that one." You you mix it up. Let me see. Uh, Copster is Cyclops for no apparent reason. Just I want to see him <laughs> run around angry that all, all he sees is red. Thad can be Professor X because yes. I just feel like like he knows everything that's going on but here. He'd be Professor X still wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Yes. <laughs> Okay, All now right. now we're sold. Now we're sold. Right. <laughs> I think we should we should cut it off there. Right, Leave the we'll, rest to your imagination. And Jay is mystique. <laughs> oh, damn of right, damn right. Oh, <laughs> I'll like be blue. By I'll be right blue. Now. All right, this next question is from I am David J. Taylor. We're doing some early Oscar predictions with this one. Oh, Do you goodness. think Taron Egerton for Rocket Man will be nominated for an Oscar next year after Rami's nomination and win? Absolutely. Just the fact that he's singing himself is catapulting him up right now as a for, as a for, front runner, because everybody was like, "He's not singing." I was like, "No, that's Taron Egerton singing," and he seems to have the movements and the whole charisma down that Elton John has. So until we see the film, though, because of course we're only going off trailers, until we see the film, it looks like it could be. But I've always been one person, one of those people. It's like, why do we do this when we just like, yeah, this is an Academy a nominee performance over of a trailer? But it's potential, and I don't even think it's because of Rami Malek's win. It's Freddie Mercury. It's not like what we're saying right now is set in stone, and that's kind of the fun of it too, yeah. is to make these early predi- predictions, especially after Sundance. It was really fun to think about it after Sundance and mm-hmm. trying to consider which ones are going to go the distance and still be part of the conversation later on, but. I think I'm kind of with you. If I had to say yes or no and just play this game right now, I've got a lot of faith in Taron Egerton. I think he is a great, great actor with some serious range, and I can't get enough of watching him sing. I mean, did you guys watch that performance he did with Elton John on Oscar night? He's so wait, good. Wait, I must admit, where was that? It was at a it was at a separate viewing party. Oh, okay. But you can you can watch the clip online, and okay. he is he is crazy talented. I could totally see it happening. I definitely, like, it's impossible to tell at this point because it could be a dreadful film. But I, I think that it only helps when when a genre becomes sort of trendy, to use like a not nice word, but it only helps the, the performances that follow within that same genre yes. to get a bigger spotlight writing off of that. All right, let's hit one more. Oh, no, this person told me how to pronounce his name, and I'm going to forget now. Oh, uh, Satyendra N. Banjirji. Oh, I'm so sorry I butchered that yet again after you told me. Anyway, what TV show do you think should get the film treatment? I like this question because an idea comes to mind within a second. And you should know what that is. Oh, so now I have to think of my answer and And yours? Yeah, pressure's on. I failed. (laughs) I I fail out. I flunked. Ash vs. Evil Dead. 
Oh, I really think it would be an absolute shame. <laughs> that's a mind bender, Perry. Well, <laughs> that's really? a movie that got the TV treatment that you're now no, saying should get so the movie So we'll loop treatment. it back around. And yeah. you have two paths you can take with that. If you want to, you know, I don't mean necessarily adapt what we've already seen in Ash versus Evil Dead for the big screen, but continue that specific story. And either mm-hmm. you just pick up right where season three left off, or you do what the Evil Dead remake from 2013 has been teasing all along, which... Maybe bring Mia back into the fold with Ash and loop in Kelly and Pablo. There's so much potential there that I really hope they don't put a firm stop to that entire franchise now. I think that Bruce Campbell is done. So whatever happens, we'll probably have to so be without him. So I'll still him. watch Mia, Kelly, and Pablo. <laughs> cool. I, I feel like you and a few other people would also watch That's that. Possible. I would be one of them. Yes, you would. Um, but I, I think that Bruce has been pretty clear that he's, he's hung up that chainsaw, which is sad. But it is. he gave us a really long the time. The level he of did. sadness that came over Perry's face was right. just so that, Seriously, work. that series is one of my favorites of all time. Mm. Every single time there was a new episode, I was just freaking delighted. And it's it's one of the rare shows out there that I think never dipped below a certain level. Mm-hmm. And that level was always satisfying and fun. Mm. I like it a lot. I think for my answer, I reject, and I know it's not possible, or likely at least, I reject that Daredevil is gone. I refuse huh. this. <laughs> I demand more of Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock. And if all we could get was one movie, just one last thing, then I would take it. But I, I reject this, and I, I demand would, I more I would Daredevil. love to see that. I, I want to see him back as Daredevil so much. I never thought I would appreciate him as Matt Murdock until I watched season one of Daredevil. And then when they canceled it, I was like, I knew it was coming, but I didn't want to accept it. I was devastated. I was hurt. But my, my actual movie would be something a little bit different. Um, it is a television show on CBS called God Friended Me. Mm-hmm. It's with my buddy Brandon Michael Hall. He used to be on the show The Mayor. It's about God sending him random friend requests. And he has to friend them and help them out in their lives. So that could be a nice hour and a half film in itself. That's my choice. That's kind of a sweet pick. See, I didn't... a nice, uh, a nice happy twist on social media. And exactly, I like because that. we always talk about how social media can be so vile, and everyone can just be so hateful, and to use it. And granted, it plays into the religious aspect. I understand how some people feel about that, but the the overall tone is being nice to people. Just be nice to random people. Help a stranger out. I feel That's like lovely. everybody should take that and repeat that to someone else today, and this world will be a better place. This table is a better place because Haley and Jay joined me today. Guys, thank you so much for being here. That was a blast as thank always. I will you. see you both again very soon. Adam in the booth, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, making me lose my train of thought and laughing at your wonderful lower thirds. And thanks to everybody out there for watching this episode. Tell everybody you know about Movie Talk on the Collider Video YouTube channel and also in podcast form as well. And then don't forget, tune in tomorrow 4 p.m. PT for a brand new live episode. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. (sighs) Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. 
This holiday season, it's all about the bedroom. And Casper's Black Friday sale has up to 30% off everything you need to make your bedroom your happy place. Only Casper mattresses are made with 86 supportive gel pods to align your spine and eliminate aches and pains. And Casper bed frames are made from the highest quality materials. Give the gift of a better bedroom. Save up to 30% during Casper's Black Friday sale on now at Casper.com. Terms and conditions apply. See Casper.com slash terms for more details. Else.